So we are back for Alien Caveman's Ransom. And I know for the people who've been following this last week hurt because I only do it once a month. And last week was when it was supposed to happen, but it didn't happen. It didn't happen because uh, two weeks ago I got banged in the face and my eye got hurt. And then last week I had to work on the day I normally record. And then the day I got off in lieu of the day I was recording... I had to get my vaccine, and the vaccine just laid me out completely. It has been a very bad two weeks health-wise for me, but we're back at it again, because the one thing we don't do is give up. Just like Sophia and Jackson and their fated love on an alien planet. Uh, They are on their way, en route to the village, to reveal to the village that the first... Female is now on the planet. The prophecy has been fulfilled. I actually just realized now that yes, Jackson and his species are human-esque, but they would be, the females would be different enough that they might actually be like, are these women? Like, you assume the prophecy would deal with you like the the prophecy would be like a female is coming for you to uh, repopulate the planet or whatever. They would look like you, but so the Jackson has he's big and he's got stripes and he's got red eyes and stuff, and she doesn't. They make him alien enough esque so that he's different, but also human enough that they can interact. Uh, we have learned some physiological. Things like uh, two penai. A big one and a little one. Something to satisfy everybody, I guess. Uh, But we are going to continue on. We are on chapter 21. Alien, caveman's... Caveman, alien's ransom. I gotta get that right. A sci-fi BBW alien faded mates romance. Caveman, alien's book one. Chapter 21. Page 98 of 153. So we're actually in sort of the end game of this first book, which is when we have to decide if we're going to continue with this series or if we're going to move on to something else. But uh, I have been, they have been traveling now for far too long. They, they, they stopped to sojourn sexually, which was expected because of the nature of the book. Uh, I was really hoping they would get on with it and get on with it. I mean, get on with the story, not get on with more sex. Chapter 21, Sophia. I'm getting tired. And that's probably why everything happens so sudden. I'm not on my guard like I should be. When Jackson suddenly stiffens and whips around, it's too late. Strong hands grab both my hands from behind. And before I can squeal, I have someone's hands in front of my mouth. And partly in it. I bite down hard and hear a pained grunt close to my ear. But it's an uneven struggle. I'm surrounded by men with spears. They're warriors like Jackson. And they have separated me from him. I see the backs of several men between us with their spears lifted, clearly threatening Jackson. He has his sword in his hand, but even I can see that he's outnumbered by at least ten to one. The attackers drag me away from him while keeping him at bay with their sharp spears. He picks up a rock and throws it hard at the man holding my right arm, and it hits him in the neck. The grip on my arm weakens, and in my desperation, that's all I need to grab my gun. I feel the warm plastic in my hand, and then someone else takes hold of my arm again, and it makes it awkward to aim. But before the gun is twisted from my grip, I manage to pull the trigger once. 
The bang resonates amongst the trees, but my attackers aren't surprised enough to let me go. We do not know how many bullets she has used. She fought a dinosaur. She stuck it in a dinosaur's mouth and pulled the trigger. And it said multiple times. So I don't know how many bullets she has. I keep waiting for her to pull the trigger and to just dry fire because there's no actual bullets left. The gun falls to the ground. I get someone's hand over my eyes and then I'm carried away fast by running men. I struggle as much as I can, but they're too strong and they easily hold me still while running through the woods. Shit, this probably isn't Jackson's tribe. I should have known there can't just be one tribe in this whole planet. It'd be interesting to see if there's what kind of distinctions. Again, the world building has been the best part of caveman Kaling. I'm talking faster. My brain is moving faster than I can speak. The world building has been better, the best part of Caveman Aliens Ransom. So I am interested now in the other tribe and what how they are differentiated from Jackson's tribe, even though we don't really know anything about Jackson's tribe either. I've been afraid for pretty much all my time here on Dren, but dinos and centipedes give me a purer fright than this. They just want me dead. Humans can be so unpredictable. They're not humans, they're aliens. I have no idea what these guys want with me, but I highly doubt it can be something good. Still, I'm totally helpless in their hands, and tiring myself out struggling probably is not the best idea. I don't know how long they run, but it has to be well over an hour before they slow down and then stop in a small clearing. It's clear that I'm the center of attention. There are some boulders here. They place me on top of them and on my back. They waste no time in stripping off the garments Jackson made for me. Then they go all quiet and just stare at me with huge eyes, whispering what sounds like a lot like awe. They look me up and down. And I look at them too. These guys have yellow stripes instead of Jackson's red. So that could be the tribes are differentiated by genetic traits. So the stripes or you are earned your stripes and given them. Because they do mention that kind of as part of it. Like only warriors have stripes. You earn your stripes and so the color is given to you by your tribe. And where he is muscular and tall, they are shorter and thinner. They're wearing outrageous black and white war paint on their face, and they have some weird hats on. Oh, well, we need some description there. And they're clearly aroused. They're all pitching tents in their loincloths, and I'm starting to realize what they have in mind. One of them is bleeding from a hole in his shoulder, and I'm sure what to think of that, because he's got a pretty elaborate hat on. <laughs> and I do feel that he's the leader of this gang, but I'm sure, pretty sure he's the one I shot. He looks at me and says something. I sense it causes some dismay amongst the others, but they grudgingly pull away from me and he comes closer. Ah, he must have said something like, I'll go first or... He must have said something like, I'll go first or something. You don't need the two somethings in there. He must have said something like, I'll go first, or he must have said, I'll go first or something. Because it's obvious that I'm about to be raped. Gang raped, probably. Tears of panic are burning in my eyes and I writhe like a worm on the ground to get out of the strong grips that are holding me down, but they don't yield at all. The leader stands behind me and looks down at me, holding his shoulder. Yeah, he's not happy. He barks an order and I can see that his men are glancing at each other, clearly not too eager to follow that command, whatever it was. The leader barks the same thing again, very angrily, and pulls a long knife from his belt. The men are not holding me back when the leader approaches me slowly. He reaches out a hand and traces a cold finger along a breast, down my stomach, and stops right above my slit. Please stop using the word slit. I don't know why. It's very off-putting for me. Vagina. Other idioms. Pussy. Fine. Slit somehow really bugs me. 
I did not think I was this much of a prude. That's actually the most interesting part now. Anyways, I twist and turn and writhe and scream, hoping to take some of his enjoyment out of this. He looks at me with red eyes that somehow manage to seem cold, then wets the knife blade with the blood from his shoulder and lifts it, saying something repetitive. The others start chanting in response, and fear and my fear reaches unknown heights. Oh, fuck. He's going to sacrifice me. He comes closer and lifts the center of the knife over my chest, holding it in both hands with the point down. That thing will pierce my heart and kill me in half a second. I'm not a virgin! I scream at the last resort because I know that some ancient peoples on earth practice virgin sacrifice, but of course the translator is turned off. I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have worked anyways. I shot this guy. He's angry and he wants revenge. I scream at the top of my lungs. The leader lifts the knife higher, and then suddenly he has no head, and the body collapses on the ground. It's hard for me to see exactly what... That's just... There's so many ways I should be reading this. I don't want to, like, make... These go, like, long enough, but... And suddenly there's no head on his body and collapse. And suddenly there has, and suddenly he has no head and his body collapses on the ground. And suddenly he has no head and his body collapses on the ground. Like the tone you use choose to read that. I don't read these in advance, which makes it hard for me to make jokes like that. But the tone I use with my voice could change the feeling completely. It's hard for me to see what exactly happened, but there seemed to be some kind of whirlwind passing through the kidnappers. It's Jackson. And there's blood and screams and grunts and clangs. I'm suddenly not restrained, and I get down from the boulder and crouch down. Then I hear the sound of many fast feet running away around the jungle, and only one man left. Jackson. Relief washes over me and makes me collapse to the ground in a shivering heap. He walks over to me and picks me up in strong hands. Sophia. He passes his eyes over my front and then turns me around to check my back. Then he takes me into his strong arms, hugs me hard, and kisses my hair like he often does. He says something in his language that sounds tender, and I don't need to activate the translator to know that he's just as relieved as I am. Two of the kidnappers are lying dead on the ground, and the leader is one of them. I don't like seeing dead people, but after what they were about to do to me, I'm not going to call the cops on Jackson, and there are no cops on this planet, so that statement doesn't make sense. Earth idioms don't work on alien planets. I get, like, I get it, but also it also, you should be saying other stuff. We don't talk for a moment, just stand there and hold on to each other. Then I notice my hand is wet. I gasp, oh my God, Jackson, you're injured. He, turned his, he turns his back, and I see that he has a long gouge stretching from his shoulder down to his waist. He's bleeding pretty badly, and I immediately start to worry. He can probably handle the blood loss, but the spears those guys didn't seem that clean, and I guess that these people don't have a lot of penicillin, even in his village, and I don't know if penicillin works because they're not humans, they're aliens. But I remember that I hurt, I remember the herb I found, the acidic one, that Delia agreed might be seriously antiseptic. I sit him down and look around the clearing if I can find some of that and put it on him. He might not get infected. Sit still, don't move, I say, knowing he can't understand, but trusting that he gets the meaning. I draw my gun in just in case those kidnappers didn't get the message. It's got four more shots in it. Okay, that is actually the first time in the book we've found out how many actual bullets are in the gun. And even though it might not be too effective against dinosaurs, it should work fine against aliens as human as these ones. It doesn't take me long to find all I need. Those herbs and plants are everywhere, pretty much. Well, that's actually very convenient that the healing herb is everywhere. But I guess it's just like a video game. 
I rinsed the long cut along Jackson's back with the water from the sack, then crushed the herbs into a paste and applied them to the wound. It has to stink terribly, but Jackson makes no sound and just keeps breathing evenly. I have no bandages or sticky tape, so I can't do much more, but I'm hoping his village isn't too far away, and the herbs seem to help stop the bleeding too. I keep, I keep some of the paste to apply to the wound when needed. Um, if they've run for an hour trying to kidnap Sophia... That would imply they have run an hour away from the village, right? Like, they're not going to run to the village if they're from a different tribe, so they're going to run away from the village. And now I want to get away from this place where I was almost sacrificed. Jackson puts his sword back into his belt, and I take his bag. I don't want him to carry it on that injured back of his. It's pretty heavy, but I can handle it. We walk on. I'm pretty shaky still, but I can handle that too. And before I know it, we've walked off the jungle and we're standing in the middle of his village. Whoa, whoa. I can't help but gasp. Okay. Uh, I was waiting for a little more because they ran in the opposite direction, but I guess they were really close. The village is a whole bunch of uh, caves in a rock face, like an old piece of wood full of wormholes. And it's huge. Oh, and it's a huge, tall cliff with hundreds of caves all over. They all look natural, but some of them seem to have been widened and smoothed. Somehow I'm not too surprised. I did meet Jackson in a cave, and I always thought about him as a caveman. And that's what he is. We're standing in what has to be the city square. It's a worn patch of rocky ground by the face of the cliff. We're attracting a lot of attention. As soon as we're, and soon we're surrounded by curious warriors who are asking many questions of Jackson. He answers calmly, and the others say, Stay at a respectful distance. Now that I see them, it's clear that Jackson is a pretty typical member of the tribe. Perhaps a little taller and wider because he's a little better and I love him. But, that's all they ha- but they all have a straight spine and the calm movements of men who know who they are and, I'm o- and who are okay. <laughs> Man, I fucked up that sentence. But they all have the straight spine of, and the calm movements of men who know who they are and who are okay with that. Emphasis on men because I can't see a single woman anywhere. I can see boys and adolescent males and grown men and old men, but not a single girl or woman or even a crone. We sit down in a shady place and people bring us food and juice. It's weird being the center of attention like this, like I'm a circus act, but these people are just watching. But as an alien, I suppose I would expect nothing else. They're cute, though. <laughs> Whenever I make eye contact with one of them, whether it's a kid or a man, he smiles, he smiles shyly and gives me a little wave or a friendly gesture. My hope rises. If they're as cool as they seem to me right now, I'm sure they'll want to take the girls or at least give them the help they need. Two of them exchange a few words with Jackson, and then someone brings a basket of jars and various fluids, and they begin treating the wounds. They don't seem too concerned, and I notice that his injuries appear to be healing already. I guess that makes sense. On this planet, it's probably a good idea to heal fast. But is the healing accelerated naturally, or is the healing accelerated because of the stuff they give them? I would like an explanation of that. A clearly important person comes striding through the crowd, bows for Jackson, and looks at me with no expression on his face. He's an old man, and he gives me the vibe that he's either the chief or some kind of priest. Probably a priest. I decide from the large, bronze-like pendant he's got hanging around his neck and furry cape over his shoulders. Maybe Jackson is higher up than I thought if a priest bows to him. They talk for a while, and it seems to me a good time to activate the translator. The mother, Jackson says, as the translator chirpily interprets. Everyone looks at me. Yeah, it's my translator. I hold it up to Jackson, and Jackson explains what it is. 
The crowd talks and whispers amongst themselves, but the priest seems doesn't seem too impressed. They get back to business. The priest could see the machine as being like antithetical to what they do. That's something you gotta be careful of. As foretold by the prophecy, the priest states, scrutinizing all of me, most interesting, sensational even, yet I doubt it, this is clearly a woman. Yet I don't doubt it, this is clearly a woman. He smiles and turns to face the crowd. Who will become the mother of Zen and give us the treasure, he yells. The crowd erupts in cheers and celebration, and I smile. But of course, this all means very little to me, except it might increase my chances of getting help for the girls. There is more, Jackson says. There are more women, five more. A hush descends on the crowd. Five more, the priest asks, and frowns more than I thought a living being could. That is not in the prophecy. Yeah, this is a problem. And yet they are there, Jackson continues. They are on Boon, five women, just like the mother, and they need our assistance. The plude dropped them there. The transla- translator has no suggestion for the word plude and just gives us the and just gives the word on to me. I would have liked to know what it means. My guess is creepy little alien kidnappers whom I hate with a passion. Oh, Sophia, you're so your editor- editorialization is so fun. The priest frowns even harder. Just like the mother? Surely not. The mother is as much a part of Zren as you or I, or Boon, or the holy cavern underneath it. Surely the five others have nothing to do with the mother and are simply aliens desecrated the forbidden land. Well, that was a lot of assumptions and decisions made, which is exactly what you would expect of the priesthood. So I'm actually on board with the assumption that this is a priest now, because anything that doesn't fit into his doctrine, he then rejects. I'm not sure whether to smile or to punch the priest. On the one hand, my little device seems to have adjusted itself to interpreting their speech with proper grammar, which makes a, which is a major victory for the project and makes me wish I could tell Professor Wilkins. On the other hand, it doesn't sound like this guy will support or help the girls. Jackson straightens and looks downright majestic with the calm fire in his red eyes. The mother has herself stated that they are her friends and they, that she arrived on our planet with them. They need our help to survive. Would you deny them this? Would you deny the mother this reasonable request? Oh, fuck. Would you deny the mother this reasonable request? Is a great fucking line, Jackson. You are the man. The priest is just one big frown. Aliens desecrating Boon, our forbidden land, have no claim on any of our support. The jungle and the bigs and the smalls will take them to their alien ancestors before long. Indeed, that has probably already happened. I don't like what I'm hearing. No, it hasn't, I state. And that damn chirpy translator says it in what I hope is decent Zarenish. Everyone is staring at me, but I'm pretty angry now. They are still alive and thriving as a colony. They have all kinds of vital skills that would make this tribe both more respected and more powerful. Without my friends, this tribe will perish. Eh, pretty good, Sophia. I may be coming on a little strong. This tribe looks vital enough to me. But these guys seem to put a lot of importance on respect. I'll use my female cunning if I have to. Not that I have any cunning to my knowledge, but this is probably as good time as any to check if I do. The wishes of the mother must be respected, Juxon backs me up, or she will withdraw the treasure and Zren will be without a mother for eternity. What will the ancestors say about that? Their prophecy and their sacred mother discarded by a stubborn tribe. The priest is thinking hard. Anyone who treads on forbidden rune has the death sentence anyways, he says, except the mother who can freely tread anywhere she wants on the planet. I have to, I've gone into priest voice. Anyone who treads on the forbidden boon has the death sentence anyway, 
except the mother. She can freely tread anywhere she wants on the planet. Certainly aliens must respect our laws or take the consequences. In any case, the planet and the bigs will make those consequences as severe as they must be. I am shaman of the tribe. The prophecy and the mother and the ancestors are my concern. I want what is best for the tribe. The ancestors have, in their infinite wisdom, seen it fit to wrap this wonderful and longed-for occasion in a trap. The prophecy mentions no other women, and any other women are not holy. Only the mother is, and aliens are forbidden on Boon. Do we need a clearer answer? It just keeps going. This is chapter 22. There was no reason to actually break that up, but here we are. Jaxan hesitates, and I see that the priest's arguments are making an impact on him. No one doubts that you want what is best for the tribe, Jaxan says. Indeed, we both want that. I is the chief. Whoa, motherfucker! He's the chief? Uh, I didn't know that. We have a Protestant, Catholic, government... I've already lost it. It would be it would be the Catholics and the government if it was in Europe. Anyways, we have the church versus the state now. That's what I wanted to say. We don't need to get into sex because, of course, these are aliens. Indeed, we both want that. I is the chief and you is shaman. This is the most important event in the history of the Rex V tribe and in the history of Zren. We must make sure absolutely that everything we do is right. I repeat, the women and the mother were dropped on Boon by the Plude against their will. They would not knowingly desecrate the forbidden place. The mother requests that we help them. I submit that at the time a prophecy ended when I found the mother in the holy cave, and then we now and then we are now in times that have not been prophesied about. Well, sounds fucking smart. The mother is found, now we must realize that the prophecy has done its part, and we must direct our actions from what she wishes. I want to applaud. Jaxan is a pretty good speaker, and I can see the priest grinding his teeth. Even I realize what's going on. This is a power struggle. The priest or the shaman, as the translator insists, can't accept that the time of the prophecy is over, because that undermines a lot of his authority. He won't want the girls rescued for the same reason. It would be like... It would be like sawing over a branch he sits on. He can talk about the mother for years and years and years, but he never expects her to actually appear. And now that she's here, he's suddenly not that important anymore. And if his damn prophecy doesn't even mention more than one chick, then his authenticity isn't exactly strengthened. That will erode his authority further. Perhaps I was too quick in accepting this as the mother, the shaman says. While she did arrive in the water from Boom... The fact that the prophecy states nothing about her having friends, other women even, might be a sign that she's an imposter. Jackson's face darkens, and he places his hand on his sword. What was that? His voice was cold and flat and deadly. Though I, I think it was the right... I think it, I was right the first time, the shaman says quickly after a glance at Jackson. I have no doubts about your description of events, and the unlikelihood of any other woman falling into the holy water under Boone makes it quite certain that the woman is the mother is prophesied. But what will we do about the other women is not to be decided rashly. I must meditate on it and pray, and I will give my recommendation. The shaman bows once to me and once to Jackson, and then he strides off with his head held high, a very image of pomposity. Pomposity. I realize that I don't like that guy. I take a sip of juice. So what happens now? Jackson sits down next to me. The tribe will decide whether or not to help your friends. Uh-huh. 
Did I hear that guy refer to you as chief? I am chief of the Rex V tribe, he says. It doesn't entitle me to make large decisions, except in battle. In the daily life of the tribe, the council makes most decisions. The shaman is also influential. But your decisions will be respected, right? The most will agree with you. He thinks about it. I am respected. The shaman is also respected. The prophecy and the ancestors are very important to the tribesmen. So this could go either way. He looks at me. Yes, the daily tribal meeting is at sunset. It will be decided then. Well, he's being honest. I've met too many guys who would have given me bullshit about much less important stuff than this to make themselves look better. I look around at all the male faces. All right, Chuck-san. Do you, know how, do you have any women in this village? He frowns. Sophia is the only woman on Zren, except for your friends. Yet you told me, but I didn't believe it. Not literally. Because how do you make babies? I see kids here. How are they born if not from women? Oh, this is the stuff I want to know. They are born from life givers. And what are they? He stands up and smiles down at me. I'll show you. That's, I don't even know what to say. Weird, insane, creepy, revolting, cool, all of those. But I'm supposed to be a university girl. So I go with what we call everything we don't understand. Interesting. That's what Spock says, yeah. It's in, fascinating is what he said. But you know, same, same deal. They look most of all like plants. They have green stalks, the thickness of my thighs, and the leaf-like things that move a lot more than a weak breeze should indicate. Each one is the size of a car, about five feet tall and much wider. It's like a snake's nest of green and purple creepers and branches and vines, and in the middle is a large orange bud. And when you lean over or look into it from above, you can see that there's a fetus in there, a living one, curled up and inside the translucent, translucent, translucent sack of what is pretty much must has of what pretty much has to be amniotic fluid. Jackson knocks one of the sacks with his finger. It gives a hollow resonating sound and looks hard to the touch. Yeah, that's an egg with a little human baby inside. The life givers are both clearly plants and clearly animals, a cross between extremely weird and exotic bush and the kind of ostrich-like things. If ostriches had no heads or wings or legs, and about five bodies each. That description makes no sense. It's weird, is what I'm saying, and insane and creepy, and so on. But mostly interesting. So these are your women, I say, when I'm able to talk again. No women, life givers. There have been no women on Zren for many generations. They were taken from us, and all kinds of, and all of our kind seemed to be doomed. Without women, no children. In desperation, warriors tried other methods. It had been known that the life givers could nurture and gestate other species. But no one had ever tried with humans. It was taboo. Now they had to try, and it worked. I'm speechless again. Um, how? One mature warrior who has survived many battles and hunts and who is still in perfect health may deposit his manly juices inside a small life giver bud. The life giver then allows the fetus to grow inside it until it ripeness. Sensing it needs to give it nutrition it requires, the bud opens and the egg cracks, a new one for the warrior. A new young one for the warrior for the tribe. A new young warrior for the tribe. Fuck, I'm sorry. He smiles warmly with pride even. My mind is reeling. So you were born from one of these? He points. That one over there. They live for a long time, the life givers. I'm not sure how to react to it. It's not really that much worse than the way I was born myself. The more natural way. There's What is more natural than being born from nature? I'm sorry. Your version of the more natural way is your more human way. This is your intense human bias and is incorrect. You, you should be better than this, Sophia. 
Right. I wonder if anyone did ever tell you that you look a lot like your father. Jackson arches his, eyes str- his straight eyebrows. Yes, of course. All warriors look like the man who donated his juices. It's only natural. Yeah, so basically, the man gives his genetic side to the plant. The plant creates another human that's going to be not necessarily a clone, but incredibly similar. Oh, they just said clones. It's only natural the way the ancestors have created for us to honor that man. Clones. Hmm. Yeah, on Earth, we call that clones. You were born from the genetic material of only one person, not two. So, of course, you look a lot like that person. Ah, this is known. This is a known procedure on your world as well. You also have life givers? Not like this. We know the basics, and I do believe some cloned animals have been born. But the old-fashioned method is still preferred. <laughs> Much preferred. Yes, Jackson agrees and pinches my butt, makes me squeal. Much preferred. I slap his shoulder. Take your hands off me, you sexy brute. Fuck, does anyone talk like that? Dialogue is hard. In a thing I wrote recently called Montana El Diablo, The Infinite Adventures, there are moments of dialogue that are purposely vague and bad because of how bad and hard uh, dialogue is. But if you're going to write dialogue, you write like people actually talk. And no one in the history of humankind has ever said sexy brute out loud. But yeah, making babies the normal way is better for everyone, I think. Something about more variety when you mix the genes of two people. How, okay, sorry, you're in university and you don't know about the gene pool? Come on, Sophia. The babies are more robust? I don't remember, but you've given up your juices. Oh, but you haven't given up your juices for something like this? The idea of a little carbon copy of Jackson running around here weirds me out a little bit. I have not, and now I will never. He leans in to kiss me on the forehead, which is probably fine. What's wrong with him leaning in to kiss you on the forehead? I don't know how prudish these people are about public... Ah, okay, there you go. I don't know how prudish these people are about public displays of affection, but I guess I better not take any chances. Actually, I bet you could do it in the middle of the town square and everyone would be really happy about it because it's the only time they've ever seen it. I just had some really gross thoughts that I am not going to share. Unless the tribe decides not to help my friends, I remind him as sweetly as I can. He glances at me. Perhaps you would like to see my home? Yeah, I really would. It's a cave with a small opening and a roomy interior. The rock is white and has dark bands shooting through it from the ceiling to the bottom. It's a natural formation, and I'm pretty sure it has been widened with tools after that. At the far end of the other opening is a huge cavern that leads to a tall skyscraper. Clean water falls down in little waterfall pools. And, like, little waterfalls... Clean water falls down in little waterfalls and pools. Okay. And I notice that young boys are swimming in the bottom of the pool and that there are many openings from the other caves in this deep cavern inside the rock. I totally understand why the Rexby tribe settled here. These caves they live in have natural running water. This village has to be one of the most spectacular wonders on the nat- of nature on this whole planet. Jackson's cave is decorated with simple rugs and furs and dinosaur skins and colorful pictures that have been drawn on the rock walls. I think I recognize some of the figures from the cave where he found me. He might be a real artist, this caveman of mine. He has a big stand with various weapons and blades. Right by the entrance is the place for the fire for cooking, and various pots and pans are stacked there. He has no furniture, just heaps of rugs and furs. It's clean and kind of bare, but it's a cozy place which exudes the warm personality of the person living there. I ponder the whole situation. There's no electricity, but it's a warm planet, and he has some primitive lamps and candles. There's no bathroom, but there's running water in the back. There's no internet, but it's surviving would just probably take up all your time. 
But just surviving would probably take up all your time anyway. There's no coffee shops or convenience stores or cars. Can I see myself living here? Maybe. At its best, it would be like camping. At its worst, well, yeah, it'd be pretty damn miserable. On average, I could probably be content here, more or less, from time to time, for the rest of my life, with Jackson. My feelings are so mixed. I only know of one thing to do. The thing that always, that's always right with this, that, the thing that's always right with this, oh, fuck off, they're going to have sex. <laughs> Sorry, I do have to push through it, as he's apparently going to push through. My feelings are so mixed, I only know of one thing to do. The thing that's always right with this man, I place my arms around his neck and pull him down so I can kiss him. I feel desperation at the edge of my consciousness right now, and I need him to reassure me in, the very, con- in a very concrete way. He senses my needs and pulls back a thick dinosaur skin curtain over the opening to the cave. Only a thin ray of sunshine lights up the light the white wall, and I let my new skirt and shirt fall to the ground. They untie, and then untie his kilt and grab his cock. We make love on the fur. Okay, so it's a quick one. It's a fade to black. We make love on the fur, furs in the cave. It's so primitive it turns me on further, and Jackson's spectacular equipment soon has me coming hard. But the act has a tinge of, of certainty. But the act has a tinge of uncertainty to it. We both suspect that fear, and fear that this could be our last time together. I lie on his chest and feel his slow heartbeat. I'm actually thinking about, he's got that big wound on his back, how that would impact his actual performance. I've, not to get too personal, uh, I have had sex while injured from judo competitions and uh, it's rough. Uh, Basically, I had to be on the bottom. I had to lay on my back. I lie on his chest and feel his slow heartbeat, letting my fingers trace his red tiger stripes. The sun is about to set. The tribe will decide soon. He just grunts. I think he's nervous about it. I would hate to leave this guy, as in resent for the rest of my life. But this is all so wild. Will you let me go if I have to? Jackson will not mate with an unwilling woman. Uh Uh-huh. Will you help me even if the others won't? I can hear his heart rate picking up just a little. Defying the tribal council is punished by death. Treading on forbidden boon is punished by death. And not helping my friends when they need it the most is punished by jerking off into plants for the rest of your life, I think to myself. So much death on this planet, I say out loud. It's a harsh planet, he agrees. If the tribe splits apart, all will soon be dead. Only as a tribe can we survive. Obedience is vital. Unity is vital. Yeah, I get that. It's tough here, even if you have caves like this. Why is Boone forbidden? A sacred place, guarded by flying bigs. The ancestors live there. They do? Yes, mostly invisible, not always. Sometimes have feasts that light up the skies. Warriors stay far away then. Right. I have a feeling this religious stuff can get a little old, but I suppose that's part of, that's part of life for this tribe. Still, I want to change the subject. You mentioned something about the plude earlier. What is that? Dirty little beings that come here from time to time, messengers from the darkness. The darkness? The enemies of the ancestors. The ancestors represent light. Their enemies represent the darkness. All that is wrong is evil, is darkness. The plude are its servants. Uh Uh-huh. This sounds like a very primitive people. This sounds like a way a primitive people would describe aliens and wrap it up in religious thing. And wrap it... This sounds like a way primitive people would describe aliens and wrap it up in a religious thing that suits their worldview. 
I don't think that any of this is literally true, but at least our kidnappers aren't unknown here. Did the plude maybe take your women? He's silent for a good while. He's silent for, he's silent for a good while, and I worry that I've offended him. Then he sighs deeply. Yes, well, the darkness did, and the plude aided them. He gets to his feet, and I admire the feline limberness of his powerful naked form as he pushes the curtain aside and looks out. Twilight. The tribe will decide our fate of your friends. Oh, the twilight. Twilight. The tribe will decide the fate of your friends now, and I will speak for helping them. A bunch of butterflies take off in my stomach. So much depends on this. I appreciate that. I watch him put on his kilt and place his thick fur over his shoulders. I suppose that serves as formal wear for his tribe, and it makes, look, look, makes him look even more like a caveman. I get up too and put on my dinosaur skin clothing. I'm not missing this. He checks his sword and sticks it into his belt. It might take some time. This is the most important thing to happen on Zren for many generations. The deliberations must be thorough. Um, okay, so they got to the village finally. Uh, they're going to have that meeting. The religious thing is a pretty obvious gimme. They, they've set up the, the church versus the state, which is what they do in, in basically every story like this. Uh, it's either a super advanced society with religion or a primitive society with religion, and they buck up against the leader because they want to have all the power. I, I mean, it's not done poorly, but this is almost like a, a given. Like There's very little originality. I'm a bit disappointed in our writer here because they could have come up with some other thing other than just the church versus the state. Uh, I'm not particularly impressed by that. Uh, but at least the sex scene wasn't gross. <laughs> That's the bit I was most concerned about. Uh, so next month, uh, December, it's going to be a Christmas time decision as to whether or not uh, they help. I am assuming the church is going to split off. And Okay, predictions? The guy's totally against it. He wants to keep the woman. The church kidnaps Sophia. The other ladies, they have to get brought back into this soon, though. So they go. They decide to help, and the church is angry about it, so they kidnap all the women and keep them as sex slaves or something like that. They don't actually get to have sex with them. The warriors rise up and kill the church. So the final, I thought, was going to be against the other tribe may actually be an internal conflict. And then the priesthood goes and gets the other tribe to support them. That is what I would do if I was a lazy writer. Uh, and I guess we'll see. If that comes true, we can now brand this as lazy writing. 